Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Talofa and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Pacific teams impress in the opening round of the Rugby League World Cup. The Rugby League Academy opens in Fiji and the Fijian Indrua squeak into the playoffs. But first, the Pacific Games Council has accused the Tahitian government of political interference after announcing it will boycott the upcoming mini-games in Vanuatu. The withdrawal follows a disagreement over who should represent Tahiti's boxers in Port Vila in December. The president of the Games Council, Vidya Lakan, says complications arose following a court order in August which annulled the elections of the officers of the Pacific Games Association of Tahiti. There was a, a letter from uh, the president of Tahiti saying that perhaps the Games Council in was interfering in their internal sports administration and all that. And we were quite clear we've written back to him. You know, the way we, 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 are, we are structured, uh, we do not allow political interference in, in sports, and that's what is happening in Tahiti. We understand that uh, there was a court order that annulled the elections of the officers of uh, uh, Tahiti Pacific Games Association. Uh, when we found that out, we asked uh, the sports people there to have an annual general meeting as soon as possible to elect uh, uh, office bearers because of the Pacific mini-games in Vanuatu. All the entries that needs to be submitted has to be under the signature of the President or the Secretary-General of the Pacific Games Association of our respective member countries. Now, so if there is no PGA in Tahiti, then who uh, submits the entries? Our executive board met and we quickly decided to protect the interests of uh, athletes in Tahiti and to enable them to uh, take part in the mini Pacific Games if they so wish, then we will accept entries directly from national federations, provided they are affiliated to their respective international federations. So they must be recognized uh, as uh, representing that sport in Tahiti. In, in Tahiti, we know that there are two boxing associations. One of them is recognized by the government, and the other one is recognized by the International Boxing Federation, IBA. And, and I guess what makes this a little bit more complicated is the up until October, the president of the Olympic Committee in French Polynesia was Tahiti Nana, who, of course, unsuccessfully um, tried to lobby the government to provide money to host the Pacific Games in two years. So he's no longer, because of that court order, the president, but he's obviously in charge of the Boxing Federation that the government does not recognize. So there's obviously some tensions or some you know, issues between those two parties, and that's kind of spilled over into this dispute. 
you, you're correct, and it, uh, the, the Tahitian government recognition or non-recognition of of one or the other of the two boxing associations could be bordering uh, on on political interference. So we stay out of that. But our rules are quite clear. Knowing the fact that in Tahiti there are two boxing federations and one has come into existence in the last uh, a few months, which is recognised by the government but not by the International Boxing Federation. Whereas the other one that is not recognized by the government is recognized by the International Boxing Federation. So according to our rules, we will only recognize the Boxing Federation or Association in Tahiti, which is recognized by the International Boxing Association or Federation. And they would then have the right to take part in the Pacific Games. It certainly seems like it would be an awful shame for a dispute over one individual sport to result in an entire French Polynesian delegation not competing in the mini-games at such short notice. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate uh, that's the way it seems to be going, uh, but whether it's one sport or one individual, uh, I, really, I really don't know. But uh, what we are hoping athletes who entered when the entry is uh, closed on the 20th of October, uh, that the government will see its uh, way clear to allow them uh, uh, to take part because uh, that is their right uh, to take part. And I don't know how far our government can go towards uh, saying that the athletes cannot take part in the government. But as I said, we will not get involved in the local politics. Uh, We will accept athletes if they comply with our requirements. And if not, then we'll not allow them to take part in the game. Is, is is there some flexibility that could just allow whatever competitors they've got from both boxing federations, if they meet entry criteria, to no, take part? No, if, if, if they are not members of uh, Tahiti Boxing Association, which is recognised by AIBA, then they cannot take part. They would have to be members of the Boxing Federation in Tahiti, which is recognised by the International Federation. And in terms of the announcement from the government that the Tahiti is pulling out and that there will be no delegation going to Vanuatu, uh, I mean, are there going to be some talks between the Games Council? Are you guys trying to get in touch, or is this something just to leave to Tahiti and it's their call? Well, I think we have made our position quite clear uh, that we will allow uh, people to take part, provided they are their sports association in Tahiti is affiliated to international federations. Now, if Tahiti government wants us to take athletes from uh, associations that have just sprung up and they're not recognized by the international federation, uh, I'm sorry, there can't be any dialogue on that one. Okay, and, and, and so that would just be bad luck? That's their call? If they don't go, then that's the way that, it is? That, yeah, that, that, that's the way it is. I'm sorry. That's the president of the Games Council, Vidya Lakan. Tonga have lived up to their pre-tournament hype, thrashing Scotland 50 points to four in an impressive opening weekend for Pacific teams at the Rugby League World Cup. Fiji thumped the United States 58 points to 12, while at Papua New Guinea steamrolled Wales 50 to 6 in Port Moresby. The only blip for the region was Samoa, who were beaten 38 points to eight by the Kiwis. The PNG Kumuls assistant coach Marcus Bai says it was a dream start for them. We wanted to start that way. Not as, you know, to come in and score at least with three or four tries in the first half, but we wanted to have a, a good start and you we dream about that kind of start. But probably one of the Kumuls team that, that I have been involved or seen that we went in and, and stuck to the plans and, 
then you know the boys really start to our game plan and and play well for say 26 to 28 minutes. That was the 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 thrilling part for us coaching staff that we were happy. Uh, we were happy with the way we the way the boys uh, went on from the first 20 30 minutes. You know there was a period um, in the first half that um, you know uh, the boys got carried away a little bit, but. Um, you you expect that when you know when he starts scoring on those kinds of tries, three or four four tries in the first time. All that build up and expectation, and we know how excited the fans can get. So to see that then delivered out on the field, you know, I, I know Michael's talked a lot about trying to keep everyone focused and not distracted and not get carried away, and you know, focus on the game at hand. Uh, but I, I imagine there was a lot of emotion out there playing in front of your home fans like that. That's you know, it's never happened before in a World Cup to to play on home soil. So that. That in itself, I guess, just raises the expectations and the excitement and all that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, obviously, us players uh, and ex-players, we, we we know that when we come in a camp to to be able to represent our country or be selected for the PNG Cools, and probably other other countries may have felt, you know, the, the excitement and expectation as always. But for us here in Papini, as you mentioned, the um, the PNG is the I mean, rugby league is the number one sport here in our country, and here, boys being selected, not even play a game, they're already heroes in their villages, their district, and their province, and their tribes, and their clans, and the moms, and the dads, and the family, and, and the extended family. They're already heroes to be able to make it to the Kumuls. And the expectation, these boys, they know it all. Um, some of the young players coming in, and, and obviously, um, James Seguiaro, he's he is one of those boys that um, you know, uh, one of the first uh, first of those boys that their their father played Kumuls and then they threw the footstep to um, to be able to play for the Kumuls. Now you've set such a high standard. How do you a get improvements from your players for Ireland uh, next weekend, and, and how do you ensure that the players maybe don't get a little bit carried away with you know what was obviously a fantastic performance, but knowing that going out against Ireland you're going to do it all again, sort of thing. I think that's a challenge for us, uh, uh, for, for Michael and and us uh, players, um, us um, the the support staff, uh, Johnny Wilshire, uh, David Wesley, play for Canberra, um, and myself, and Stanley Tepan, who who's a local boy and, and play for PNG Kumul as well. And and that's a challenge for us. I mean, we we've, we've already started that, and we after the game, and uh, we started to you know put some weight in in the boys' ears and. And, and I've already started, and there are, there are uh, two or three have already started as well. I said, hey, the first game is over. Have you seen the expectation? And boys looked at us and said, yeah. And I said, yeah, did you see when you guys scored score twice here? They said, yeah. And I said, that's, that's game one. is gone. Now, they're going to they're gonna expect the same in, in game two. Now, we're going to go in there, and we're going to keep playing well, and we're going to keep working hard. You know, then the next team they might come in, they might score two, three quick tries to you know to distract us, to put us you know uh, into pressure. And, I, and and we already started that, getting the boys back to ground zero. And they said, first game, yes, well done, on back and say, and we'll go there and celebrate it. And I said, and it comes Monday, uh, we're back to square one, we we'll start again. Um, and that's the biggest biggest challenge for us. You know, we told them after the game. It's not going to be the same in the second game. So the second game is will, will be one of our hardest games uh, in this competition. Despite whatever it is, I said these boys, you know, obviously they are they're very very good as well, uh, and they then they they are better than us. Um, we've got a crowd here, and whatever it is we have here, we told them, 
it's going to be difficult because you know this other team will be watching our videos and and who are the sports that they're going to run it and play it and obviously our wingers and the high balls and things like that. So those are the things that we we will work on um, during the week and hopefully you know the, the boys will will turn up and and turn up for the fans and turn up for their family. That's the PNG Cornwall's assistant coach Marcus Bai. The Canberra Raiders are keen to discover the World Cup stars of tomorrow. The National Rugby League Club have launched a schoolboy academy in Fiji. Recruitment manager Peter Mulholland says it all started when the club hosted the Fijian schoolboy side in Canberra earlier this year and built a relationship with some of the teachers on tour. Over a period of probably a month after that, we got our heads together and thought, well, you know, rather than bring the um, uh, Mohammed to the mountain, we take the mountain to Mohammed and we... Um, we basically decided through these teachers who were based geographically, one in uh, Suba, one in Nandi, we set up um, a little academy uh, where the boys come in uh, on a weekly basis to be, um, and have got a program that we set up. They come into that academy on their own, in their own district once a week, and then once a month they, or once or twice a week, sorry, then once a month they get together for testing in um, one of the venues, either Suba or um, into uh, Nandi. Uh, the boys selected, we, we selected four or five from that actual tour. Uh, we watched the Dean's Trophy finals on television from over here on the, uh, they were live streamed, which is the premier schoolboy, um, uh, rugby union competition in, in Fiji. We watched the Dean's Trophy very carefully and selected some boys out of that to join the academy and then watched the Fijian under 16 rugby and the Opens rugby team that toured here in October, early October, late September and selected a couple of boys out of that. So we've got a squad of 20, which will cap at 20, and uh, work fairly extensively with those boys. So do you, the club, Canberra, do you guys, you scout them, obviously, you then invite them to take part in the program? Exactly right. They get invited to come in, and um, it's all done through their parents, obviously with the two headmasters that are involved. It goes through their parents. It has to be approved by the parents. Um, And we have a little scholarship for them that they join the, uh, the group. And at this stage, um, it's working quite well for us. And um, does it, is it cost-free for the, the students and the families? It is. We, we pay for their transport across to wherever the, um, the testing is going to be, that monthly testing. Uh, and we you know, provide food. We've provided gear and boots and everything else for the boys. So it's cost-free to the kids, yep. The players that you notice and that you sign up from you know, the schoolboy rugby comp or whatever, do they keep playing rugby or do you get them into league or are you pretty relaxed about it at that age, just that they're playing and that obviously they've got the skills and the raw talent? I just want the boys to be able to enjoy themselves. Uh, the raw talent's there and it's not different to New Zealand. If we're looking at boys, say, for example, in a, in a private school in New Zealand, their, their primary objective is to be school students, to be educated. If part of their school um, compulsion is that they have to play rugby, I've got no problems with that whatsoever. In this last 10 years that we've had the 20s competitions, we've, we've had to make decisions on kids far too early. And my belief is that your education is the most important thing and you, know, you finish school where you are. I think that's important. We can bring kids over on, on camps and we can keep them updated these days with obviously online programs. And, and if we've got some good people on the ground watching these kids and their development, we're able to see it a lot easier than we did 10 years ago. And I think primarily the, the case for me is I really want them to finish where they started with their education. And whether it's league or union, it's the inherent skills are the same. I, I think it's currently about 52% of Pacific Heritage players in the NRL and 
expected to creep up even further, maybe towards 60% in the coming three, four, five years. Do you, do you think the Pacific is just becoming even more influential and more, I guess, dominant in, in the NRL? What you're finding, and, and it's my belief, second and third generation kids into our game and, and that they become better athletes, they become more attuned to the game. You know, living conditions are a lot better for them and, and so forth. So diet, nutrition, uh, fitness, et cetera, et cetera. They're made for our game. They're explosive. They're, they're big men. They're explosive athletes. What you say is right. It's probably around that. I thought it was around between 47 and 52. It might surprise you. We've got a, we've got a high school in, in central New South Wales that, that would be about a nine, ten hour drive from Sydney. Uh, we have a, a school there that is 52% of the school's high school's population is actually Pacific Islanders. You know, it would be stupid for me not to be down there and getting into that school as well and working on it. So what you're saying is right, mate. We we really have got a, a majority of our players will eventually, I reckon within you know five or six years, will probably be around that 60% mark will be of Pacific Island extraction. That's Peter Mulholland from the Canberra Raiders. The Fijian Indrua say big improvements are needed if they are to extend their debut season for a further week. The Indrua confirmed their spot in the Australian National Rugby Championship semi-finals despite a 36-29 defeat by the Sydney Rays in Suva at the weekend. Coach Senarusi Sira Vakula says he was proud of the players for reaching the knockout rounds but admitted they were lucky to be there after a third loss in four games. We did not do well in the first 16 minutes and uh, we came back in the last 15 minutes but we can afford to catch up rugby in playing in this uh, level. We just have to be smart going into a, into a game on a Saturday. And uh, smart and, and uh, play according to our game pattern. And, and everyone just have to be focused from the, from the start. And uh, we did not do that on, on, uh, on Saturday. And we can carry that attitude into the semi-finals. It gets tougher as we move uh, close to the two finals. And we learn a lot of uh, positive from uh, last week. This week will be just a lot of uh, clarity on uh, on understanding uh, what we're doing. How, how did you feel the young players went? Obviously, you've you've lost those six players to the Flying Fijians um, with a match under their belts. Do you think it'll be a bit easier next week? Maybe uh, it's, it's a big step. It's a big step, uh, uh, especially some of a lot of them. Uh, it's their first time to be on the runoff, and some of them coming into the bench. And like I said, uh, those six uh, that left uh, that's the pathway that we wanted for them to play Test rugby and. Uh, and give opportunity to other guys to step up and uh, and show their, their their talent. It's gonna be a big uh, preparation for them again. Especially they are the one that they no longer gonna rely on anyone else rather than them. Need to build confidence and, uh, as we move on. And uh, while it's a bit disappointing to lose a couple of games and to lose at home as well, uh, you are still in the semi-finals, and it is still a historic achievement in your first season. Uh, that must be, uh, you know, a, a good, you know, feeling of pride and uh, satisfaction for uh, for getting that far at least at this point. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it's very disappointing losing at home, losing at home, especially for old people who come and watch the game, and uh, they really want us to perform, but. Uh, uh, we were lucky. Uh, we were lucky that we're still in the in the top uh, four, and uh, we just need uh, to prepare well uh, and do well on the process, and then uh, let the uh, uh, game on Sunday get the take place. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it seemed for the last couple of weeks that you were destined to play Canberra again in the semi-finals, but in the end, it's uh, Queensland country, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really a bonus and good for us that we're not going to go down to Canberra and uh, especially the weather down there. And for us, is going to Brisbane uh, to play in Tilba. That's a big bonus for us. You know, they've got a number of you know very good players in that team. So uh, what have you learned from two weeks ago against Queensland Country that can uh, hopefully um, produce a different result this time around? Well, Queensland Country, is, is, it's, uh, it's a great team. A great team, uh, a lot of experience in there, and uh, a lot of experience and uh, a lot of uh, super rugby players. It's a very balanced team. Uh, we just have to be smart and maintain our discipline and not giving possession away to these guys because if we give penalty kicks, and, uh, they'll be just kicking it out and then they move forward to the try line and do the line out and do their, their, their more in using the forward. We can't really afford to be playing on our own for the duration of the game. And we just have to be have possession and very smart with how we're going to use it and uh, be on their half at uh, all times. And the boys really need to work hard in doing all those things. I see Fijian and Druba coach Senarusi Siru Vakula. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.